The Overview is a production of Chaman V TV. Find out more about the show at chamanv.tv. What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 60 of The Overview. I'm Chaman V. Joining me, of course, is Fishsticks and ZP. What's up, guys? Yo, yo. What's up, Chris? Not big too, week in Overwatch. Big week in Overwatch, yeah, yeah. It actually is. Huge week in Overwatch, starting today, actually, because the anniversary for or the one-year anniversary of Overwatch starts, or the, the I think, three-day type of celebration starts today. So uh, if you guys load up your clients right now, you will see that you can immediately start looking at all the, the new stuff that they've added. You guys got any chance to do that yet? Oh, I've tried. Uh, the problem is I haven't updated my video <laughs> drivers yet, so I just get a screen full of blue oh, when I open it up. I, I thought it was just a PTR thing, but that's on me. I need to update my video drivers, but soon. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have this thing called a, a regular day job, so <laughs> I have not been able to check it out yet. I have looked at the skins. Oh, the skins are phenomenal. Oh, yeah, dude. Really, uh, I mean, I feel like they're like pushing the artistic boundaries this this time. Like, Obviously... A lot of the previous events have had pretty outrageous skins, mm-hmm. but they've at least like kind of been within a th- one theme or another. This one we have like anime robot Genji, which is amazing. Uh, I-, I I love graffiti and street art, so like I'm a- I'm obsessed with the the tracer graffiti tracer skin. I definitely need to get me that one. Well, let's just let's just take a look because we were talking. Ben, about you have these. no idea how disappointed I am right now that you are at the Twitch headquarters and some crazy stuff goes on there. So I was just hoping that someone dressed up as something just walk across your background in the middle of that, saying, "I have a regular day job." And then someone did a chicken out. Yeah, <laughs> I, have a, I have a regular day job where I work uh, in esports. It's fantastic. But it's okay. <laughs> so this is the so my son was telling me about the Genji and how awesome it looks. I didn't see it until literally just now. This looks like a Power Ranger, right? Yeah, it's it's absolutely totally. Power Ranger, like light green Power yeah. Ranger. <laughs> the Grasshopper Power Ranger. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah, this is the the Dune buggy, the the Desert buggy, Bastion. Oh nice. That might be the coolest like Zarya the, one. How about this like 1950s uh, diva pinup? Let me see. It's pretty nice. The Sorry, I'm a little bit, little bit under the weather oh, today. We still recovering from a cold. <laughs> Honestly, so excuse me. As far as the skins go, uh, just taking a look, I'm more partial to the incredibly dapper-looking Lucio, where his suit game is on point. Wow, Ferris is the. I don't like Ferris at all. Ferris like just barely even looks different. She's got the the head. The headdressing, but that's about it. It looks very similar to, to some of the other skin, um, Ferris skins. Um, yeah, geometrically, it looks similar to mm-hmm. whatever the name of that other one is. You know, remember. my favorite part about the the new stuff are the dances. I, I think the dances are some of the best emotes in the game. Uh, it's much needed. We, yes. we needed dance emotes. I know, personally, I haven't talked with them yet, but I assume that Selfless is incredibly pumped over the dances because it gives them more <laughs> ways of not just crouching over their opponent's corpses, but dancing as well. So I'm looking forward to see how they mix that in. You know, the, the May Beekeeper one's a little weird. I don't, yeah, I don't quite get it? why May needs to be a beekeeper now. Oh, you're uh, talking about the skin. Okay, let me see. Yeah. 
<laughs> that dude. Oh, that's a, she's that, a that looked like an astronaut when I looked at it. She's a fire <laughs> firewoman. She she's got all these crazy themes that don't seem to make sense with her her abilities. Got, the question funny. is: Is this Zarya skin good or bad? It's good. I, I think I it's can't awesome. Tell yet? It's it's like weird. It's she's like a straight up robot now. Uh, but that that's like the the meme over the last like I don't know bunch of different events everyone's saying where are the good zarya skins we finally got a pretty flamboyant one question is do the people like it that's the question look as far as zarya skins go i think a low bar was set in the very beginning of the game (laughs) so everything looks better than her initial skins so the robot zarya is okay for me i think the robot zarya is the best one (laughs) i mean there's not much to choose from all of them are just color changes for the most part that um in the past so this one i, I wonder does dsp stanky approve of this lucio skin i know he's been wanting a, a new funny. lucio skin really yeah, badly that's pretty slick dude. begging for it i think it's cool i like the lucio skin he looks uh i don't know very very numbani very yeah Omnic. i kind of wish they would have just ditched the armor just the, his leggings just kind of make him completely dapper i think that would have been a cooler touch instead of uh just doing the upper half uh but yeah anyways guys check these out uh, again there's tons of dance there's like dances for almost every single hero here and then there's actually three new maps too which uh necropolis castillo and black forest uh these aren't permanent are they these are these are just for certain game modes or is this for uh, competitive like is this for ladder too and quick play i mean it's arena maps right so oh right right i i was just gonna say the arena that's more for things like duels one-on-ones all the rest mm-hmm. where if for example if the friend were to have another crazy late night stream dueling everyone while being out of his mind well <laughs> he could do that on three brand new maps today yeah all right excited to see I'm that like yay too. new maps arena oh. <laughs> i know it's like arena I, and only i'm not trying to hate like arenas it's good that arena exists i just never i know myself i'm not gonna play arena i don't i don't really want to play arena in this game i i'm sorry it's just it's just true but oh. i will say blizzard is genius for launching this many dancing skins in one patch or in one event because i am gonna spend tons of money on the boxes i want every one <laughs> I want of these the dance ones boxes. for sure i can't like if no i don't question. get one of these and the event ends i'm gonna be super sad so as someone that really hasn't bought very many loot boxes i i see myself buying way too many to attempt to get all of these the anniversary is just a gift from overwatch to all the fans it's a gift from fans to blizzard where blizzard said you know we actually (laughs) really enjoyed getting a lot of money last year as we sold incredible amounts of copies of our game and now with all these loot boxes you can recreate that experience for us by (laughs) buying all of our well-made content we give you but you give us back more is what you're saying uh it's so funny all right. Well, you know, one year anniversary. It, it's kind of crazy that it's been one year already. Um, I mean, it was one year ago that Gamescom happened, right? Like around that time, or uh, was it Gamescom? Uh, Gamescom is in August. No, no, not uh, not Gamescom. I mean, I was thinking uh, of PAX. I was thinking of uh, oh, with, yeah, with yeah. the cool uh, cars and everything. I think that was around uh, maybe this yeah. time frame. Uh, it was a little bit uh, before PAX East last year. It was around uh, it was March April. or so. It, yeah, was it, it April? Was early it was, April? Yeah, okay, maybe yeah, April it was March, April time yeah. frame. What was in May then? Besides just the official launch, wasn't there another big event in May? 
I don't really God, I remember. I'm having a hard time remembering. That's what's crazy. I mean, there were competitive uh, events that were going on online. That was like when the Overkill League was being done and uh, mm, the yeah. weeklies were doing really well back then. But other than that, I don't... I mean, I'm sure there was something that went on, but uh, the big thing definitely was PAX East. But yeah, so one year, look, just kind of looking back, any any big highlights? We kind of did an end of the year thing, right? Um, just in uh, December or late December early January, but in terms of kind of looking back at the last 12 months of Overwatch since the launch, any big highlights for you guys? I mean, the big story that we've been talking about on the show consistently is how the esports scene has just kind of been in limbo leading up to any details about OW League. But here we are on the year anniversary of Overwatch coming out. We finally have some concrete details not necessarily strictly about OW League, but at least it's an official tournament from Blizzard. So after months and months and months of being in this kind of like weird limbo state where nobody knows what's coming up, you know, maybe Complexity and some other teams are dropping their rosters. It's kind of this, everyone's feeling a little anxious, a little bit nervous about the future. Finally, at the year anniversary, we have uh, <laughs> official word from Blizzard. We have the next step, the next tournament. It's not just another 50k another 100k tournament it's actually officially run by blizzard for the very first time uh so you know if anything like i think that's been my biggest overarching storyline at least over the last couple of months has been this uh this limbo state and finally getting a resolution to that i think we can (laughs) i'm incredibly happy i mean i actually i woke up sunday morning to that news and i i was just like giddy with excitement to finally hear uh, some detail about Blizzard's plans for the future of Overwatch esports. Yeah. And we're talking about Overwatch contenders, by the way. Like for folks who that might not have been following the esports side of things the last, uh, or at least this last, or the last three days or so. Uh, so we'll be talking a lot about that in just a second. But uh, ZP, any highlights for you? I've been casting a lot this year, obviously. All right. So if we're going to go through the entire year, let me just say second the thoughts about where Overwatch Contenders is super hype. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But I mean, over the year, the Overwatch has definitely had a lot of big events happen. We've seen, of course, Overwatch World Cup in 2016 come and go. We saw Overwatch go to mm-hmm. national TV in E-League. And even though there was a bit of a lull between, say, December and now, there was a lot of really big events that happened and just mm-hmm. unprecedented interest in the game where 30 million copies sold. It's been very successful here so far. I would argue that some of the problems that people have seen in regards to things taking a little bit to take off are more just symptoms of the fact that the game has been so incredibly successful that just sort of adapting to the growth has been difficult. But it does feel like things are stabilizing now. There's already a lot of great events that have happened in the past, and you take a look forward into what's going to be going on in the 2017, and it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. The first six months was on fire. You know, I would say maybe the, the few months before it, before the launch and six months after, I think lots of stuff happened. And, and then it just kind of slowed down quite a bit in the second half of this, this 12 months. But yeah, I think now that we're, we're clearing that, we're, we're seeing some things like Overwatch contenders. And you know, now we've got the World Cup details too. And uh, it's going to be a busy, you know, next, the rest of the year, I think. And it's exciting for a lot of folks that, like us that want to talk about Overwatch, want to watch Overwatch, and and huge fans of it. Uh, but overall, yeah, last, twelve months. Uh, you know, I, I think it's record breaking twelve months, at least for Blizzard. I, I'm curious to see what another twelve months will bring. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll have a full scale Overwatch League, or 
we'll be at 50 million Overwatch players or something like that. That's going to be crazy. Uh, I saw recently, too, that Overwatch passed up uh, League of Legends again, right, in the PC bangs, which it's been a while. Oh, yeah, Actually, yeah. it's been a while since that's happened because it, it fell off after, I forget which patch, like some big meta change, right? And then and then it hasn't been able to overcome the League of Legends again, or League of Legends for months now. So it's cool, good well, news to see that. Well, the thing is that it's it would be weird if Overwatch just immediately shot through and then continued to be over it forever because what generally happens in games is that you have the initial phase where everyone is trying out the game and then you have the period where it comes after where people sort of lose interest a little bit, go away. But if the game is solid and everything underneath the hood is very good, eventually you start building up more and more of a very dedicated base that doesn't really go away. So you had the initial deluge of players playing, which was great. That subsided, but because the game is solid, you've had a much more dedicated following growing up over time, and those are people that are not going to leave regardless. So the fact yeah. that Overwatch was able to come back over again is a very good sign for the more grassroots and people that have said, actually, we're dedicated to this game going forward. So mm -hmm. it's a great sign. Yeah. And actually, I'll just make a quick amendment to, to my overarching storyline. I think another one uh, has been... Korea, the the prominence of Korea, oh, not just yes, how yes. good the teams have gotten, but actually just how big Overwatch esports has gotten in Korea already. Um, for for the Western fans out there, you know it may have felt like the particularly this year, 2017, uh, in Q1 and Q2, there haven't been a lot of major events. We've had this weird situation where some of the best uh, NA teams and and EU teams have been in Korea this whole time, so the events in our on our on the Western soil haven't felt quite as big and quite as great. Uh, and it, it may be easy to sometimes overlook how big e uh, Overwatch Esports has gotten in Korea because I know myself, I'm not able to watch Apex live very often. But I do want to note that the viewership has been incredibly, incredibly strong. Not just, not just the English streams, uh, but the Korean streams from OGN as well are getting viewership uh, that, you know, we haven't really seen for these Korean leagues during these Asian time zones. So uh, my, my frame of reference here is OGN League of Legends. If you look at OGN League of Legends, um, the Korean broadcast didn't typically actually get more than a few, or you know, 10, 20,000 concurrent viewers for English, uh, up to 30 or 40,000 for like the really big matches and the playoffs and things like that. But if you go back to Apex season two finals, we actually had about 100K concurrent viewers about 40k on English and like 45k on the Korean streams on Twitch alone, which is where my biased uh, viewership numbers are coming from. <laughs> of but course. Uh, the viewership has been actually, in my opinion, uh, surprisingly strong for 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 given how poor the time zone is for North American and and Western viewers in general. So uh, not only have the Korean teams shown up in a big way, um, that that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone uh, if you're. <laughs> If you've been following esports for a long time, it was a bit of a surprise to me just because my Western bias is like, oh, Western teams are like the West is generally better at FPS than Korea. But no, the, the it's been both the Korean teams are incredibly strong. The Korean fans are incredibly pas passionate. And the Korean tournament in like just Apex in general has just been a pleasure yeah. to watch. The production, just everything about the Korean scene is like really promising right now. Yeah. That's I guess my, my, my storyline.
Yeah, I mean, what we've been seeing from Apex, it's been very good support across the board. And even if you take a look at more homegrown North American tournaments where there was a drop in viewership a little bit, especially into the December timeframe, but viewership for just Western stuff in general has gone way, way up. The last few monthly melees have been much higher in viewership. So in general, I would say there's been a resurgence. And part of that also could just be the time where I don't know too much about the exact demographics in terms of viewership but it does feel like viewership gets a little bit higher this time of year anyways so it, in general it's very good signs you have a big rebound of viewership across the board and what better time to have that rebound as you are getting into 2017 and we have more events on the way yeah i, mean, I i'm gonna make a prediction for the just 2018 right like 12 months from now i feel like esports is going to be a i would say i don't know if it's going to be um, like half and half, you know, from a narrative standpoint in the general Overwatch community. But I think you, we will regularly start seeing things like threads on our Overwatch being esports related, and and we'll start seeing, you know, and just more and more. You think the viewership is growing now? I mean, it's going to. I think I'm going to predict that it's going to skyrocket um, after 12 months, and we'll. I don't know if it's going to be like one of the top esports or anything like that, but we'll see just esports be a bigger part and that, that was one of the narratives too this year it's just that you know esports doesn't seem to be that you know or a, a huge interest in just the general overwatch community quite yet and you know, a lot of us who are esports fans have just been kind of waiting and just like like wanting that to happen and and i think after a year we're gonna see that uh one other thing too i just want to give a, a maybe a shout out to the devs just because you know we, we've definitely had highs and lows in terms of the meta but one thing that's been consistent is that the devs have constantly been changing things, constantly been adding things. And, you know, whether you agree with some of the changes or not, I think generally we, we like the changes, you know, where the game's at right now. Um, you know, that's, that's one thing that, you know, definitely want to appreciate and just kind of, you know, throw out there just because we don't get that all the time, guys. You know, some games don't get these kind of changes. So we are lucky and a bit spoiled sometimes to have you know, the team being that active all the time. So I guess now this is probably good, the switching point here where mm -hmm. let's deep dive a little bit more into Overwatch contenders yeah, where Ben sort of opened up the point a little bit, but just to go more here is that I do think that season zero as it's been called Overwatch contenders is going to be freaking awesome. And part of it is that, so the clear thing here when you take a look at it structurally is that it well, let's describe it first. Why don't you describe it to a bunch of folks that don't know what it is right now? All right. Um, well, Ben kind of did that, but all right. Well, not, I mean, not enough. Not really. Not enough <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so um, just real quick, Overwatch Contenders is something that Blizzard announced uh, two days ago. And what it is, is it's officially, I think it's a league, right? I think it's a classified as a league or an event. It's just an event that Blizzard's going to be hosting. And it's going to be a very long event. So there's going to be different stages to it. There's going to be an open qualifiers aspect to it, which feeds into groups, which feeds into playoffs. And the cool thing about it is that um, as long as you're a master's player, you can go to the Overwatch contender site and create your own team. And when I say create your own team, you can literally create your own team and call it whatever you want. Because there's some crazy, uh, just crazy names and some hilarious Mimi team names right now. Uh, but for NA and EU, there will be a separate event for each. Each of them will be 50K prize pool. Uh, and this is like a, a place where, you know, anybody who's, you know, wants to be, wants to participate in professional competitive overwatch can get their you know, get started so this is 
a combination of things. It, it's uh, a bit of a, um, I would say, a proving grounds for some folks. And, um, and this kind of feeds into Overwatch League, too, because the Overwatch League teams or the team owners and everything or people that are interested in participating in Over, uh, Overwatch League will be looking at these contenders as a, a potential source for their teams. Um, but just kind of want to start with that. ZP, why don't you, you kind of um, continue with what you were going with there? Okay, so what I was going to get into, though, is that you're entering into Season 0 here, and the clear intent is that you have something that can go on concurrently when Overwatch League is going to be on. It's something that is intended to bring up new talent. But because Overwatch League has not started yet, Overwatch Contenders kind of takes on a life of its own in Season 0, where you are going to get the very best teams in the game currently playing in it. And part of it does come down to, this is how you scout out talent for Overwatch League. So, of course, since Overwatch League hasn't begun yet, you want to see the entirety of the player base really go in and play in Overwatch Contenders. And you go throughout the scene here, it seems like we will have just about 100% participation from the different teams and elements that are involved, especially in the West. So overall, it's going to be just a slugfest early on as you see the top teams from every region or from uh, North America and Europe get involved in this. And we get to see who's going to be on top because the teams that do well here, especially the teams that aren't even with an org right now, they have a real opportunity to prove themselves here and then go on into say overwatch league season mm -hmm. one. So this is a really good way to kick off the summer, just in terms of the level of competition you're going to be seeing the storylines you'll get from both established teams and new teams alike. It, it really is an exciting time for overwatch. Yeah. There's actually so much to break down in this announcement too. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be a while. <laughs> yeah. We're going to spend some time just sit back guys. Um, so from day one, since, Blizzard announced OW League, there is this massive emphasis on this whole storyline of anyone can rise the ranks and become a pro. I mean, we all saw the Crusher 99 video. <laughs> so that's very much embodied here in this tournament. Um, and I'm actually, I I'm really excited about this because we knew Overwatch League was coming um, sometime later this year. Um, we did not know what was happening in between now and then. So previous weeks, we talked about the fact that uh, Alienware Monthly Melee, this was going to be the last one, uh, this one that's actually going to be finishing up this week. And yeah, uh, we, we knew that there had to be a reason for that. We knew that Overwatch, or Blizzard Overwatch was about to actually start kicking into gear with, from the esports perspective. Um, I actually really like this. So instead of jumping right into Overwatch League, uh, you know, head first, we're actually going to have like this, I, I would almost consider it like the warm up. This this is like the this is like the warm up leading into OWL. Uh, it's uh, EU NA uh, tournaments, and the reason why they're focusing on EU and NA is because Asia has actually got some legit tournaments already running. You've got Apex for Korea, uh, you've got the Southeast Asia tournament, you've got the Chinese tournament. So China has their own tournament, Korea has their own tournament, Southeast Asia and APAC have their own tournament. Now NA and EU also have their own tournaments, and they're pitching this as a way to get rec recognized, a way to get your name out there before Overwatch League even starts. So I, I really like that they decided to throw something uh, self-contained. You know, it's it's going to be a month of, of play, and then it's going to be over, or like a month and a half. Uh, I think this is a really smart move to get people warmed up uh, and ready to see what Overwatch Esports is going to be like coming uh, with OW League a little bit later. Yeah, we uh, And it's, it's also leading right into the World Cup, by the way. 
Right. And the other yeah. thing that's really worth noting here too, because it has been sort it's been a consistent theme in the scene, is that it's also a very good tournament for EU, where EU hasn't mm-hmm. quite had the yeah. tournament love that North America has had in recent times. And there's a lot of reasons for that that we've gone over on the show before. But this is a case where EU is getting an equal amount of love to North America. They are getting the exact same prize pool and a great opportunity to compete. So for EU, this in particular is an amazing tournament where now a lot of the griping about lack of tournaments and all the rest, it goes to the wayside because they have a chance to prove themselves and put themselves in the spotlight right before Overwatch League. So it is a really big deal for the EU scene as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something we've talked about on the show for a year now or maybe even longer than that, which is, you know, there are a lot of people that email us, a lot of people that maybe, um, you know, we've talked to in person and they're just always wondering how do we even enter the competitive Overwatch scene? And, you know, we on the show we've talked about it'd be awesome if there was maybe a website or maybe a, uh, you know, another Discord channel or something like that where people could come together and, you know, maybe form teams, you know, just even meet people and form teams. Uh, I think... I feel like this is that solution for for um, even just that side of the equation, which is to get a lot of these teams started. I'm really excited to see what kind of storylines even come from this. We're all assuming that all the pro teams that have been participating in all the events are the ones that are just going to dominate. And for the most part, I think that's right. But I bet there's at least one team from the, all the, you know, just kind of randomly put together that we'll see start, you know, pulling some upsets over a lot of the the brands and favorites that we've been watching for months now. And I'm excited well, to see that. I somewhat disagree on the idea that it would be randomly put together. Most, if you take a look at the teams that have been really big success stories in recent times, they all have a history of playing together for I mean, quite a while yeah, before yeah, sure. breaking through. Like yeah. you don't get a team like denial now, yikes, or a team like selfless that actually comes out of nowhere. What happens is that you have a team that's been maybe tier three, tier two for a while. And then they, switch the right player make the right change and they put it all together at the end and suddenly they go up to tier one i don't think you're going to be seeing a team of just players that haven't been together in some form or fashion come in and take out your top eight teams in north america right now that's incredibly unlikely but the idea that perhaps you have a team of people that a core that's been together that makes one or two moves or finds say that one good player from ladder and then goes up that's a possibility or they just don't have the opportunity. Maybe they've never been noticed or selected by, you know, whatever uh, event organizers, right? And I don't to think, think that's a thing either, though, because like I, that goes into this myth that oh, there's incredibly good teams out there, but they're just not getting invites. We I could just say from doing invites on say like the monthly melee that mm-hmm. we do look at the other tournaments that are going on, like say for example the Athena Cups, or there's a bunch of different lower level tournaments that we take a look at and we try and invite them in, especially for qualifier days. So I don't think there's like this sudden cache of teams that have been playing together for a while that also have just been snubbed. I don't think that really exists. Well, you know what you do have though, is you have teams like Dignitas who've recently split up. You've got teams (laughs) uh, like the old LG that have recently split up. You've got actually a lot of free agents right now. Yeah, Complexity. Uh, you know, we've seen Linkser playing for a couple teams here or there. Uh, so there's absolutely massive potential for yes. the, the cream of the crop to sort of form up and create an, a dark horse here, which which could be a really exciting storyline as well. 
Well, that goes back to the idea that you have cores, right? Where you have maybe you have, say, a few members of the LG Loyal Squad that felt that they just need a different look. And then they go together with, say, some of the members of Dignitas Squad that just use the teams you're bringing up there. And then that's the right combination. You could absolutely see those sorts of stories coming out. Mm -hmm. But to see like a completely brand new team probably is unlikely. But they could make a better showing than expected. I mean, yeah, just even Splash, even one upset. You know, that's what that's the kind of things I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a team coming out of nowhere and just winning the whole thing. That I think would be pretty unlike I mean, very, very unlikely. But um just having one of them beat, you know, maybe one of the top ten NA teams, I could see that happening. Like I, I have more faith in the the general population of Masters and Grandmaster players and them being able to put together something against just the few teams that we've seen. Uh, even though the few teams that they've seen have been, you know, very professional, just very committed and and uh, tons of you know, practicing together and should be favorites over them. But I just feel like there's some story down there and I can't wait to see it. I'm hoping for some story storyline that kind of comes from this and it'll be a great, um, it'll just be a kind of like a proof of concept for this, this general league itself or this uh, contenders itself. Why don't we get? Um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, then. I would just finish off that note uh, and say it's going to be an, a crazy summer for Overwatch oh, esports. God, totally. Think about it. Think about it for a second. You've got contenders, which has open qualifiers, group stages, playoffs. You've got the Overwatch World Cup, which has four groups playing in four different regions, yeah. which will all have to take place over the summer. You've got the Takeover Land, um, which is coming up real soon here. You've got Apex. <clears throat> All of this has to happen before BlizzCon, before OW League starts. So basically, within the course of the next <laughs> mm, four and a half months, you're you're going to have all of this taking place. Uh, so just sit back and relax. There's there's a lot of really good Overwatch that's going to be happening really soon. Were we just complaining that there's like no <laughs> no events coming up two, between? Yeah. Overwatch. It ebbs and flows, Chris. It ebbs and flows. <laughs> Oh, that, that, that all of a sudden you have to say, people oh, like, there's too many events. Why are there so many Over-saturation events going on? all of a sudden. No. Listen, man, we were out in the desert and we were dehydrated and we had nothing here, but now we're drowning. It's a good type of drought. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the schedule is for both two. Just is there going to be, I mean, it's going to be kind of alternating, right? With World Cup, like some weeks and then this and then. So um, kind of have to get our frames set there. But why don't we talk about the structure of this? Because when you read through some of this, just like, like what, how this uh, event's going to be structured, it can get really, really confusing. So um, Captain Planet over at Overbuff made this flowchart, which makes things actually a, a lot easier to absorb, which I, I really appreciated. So if you want to go to uh, overbuff.com and, and check this out too, uh, how he lays it out is just, you know, if you have a team, you kind of start with a team and then you kind of go through this yes-no flowchart. Uh, because some teams like Rogue, Envious, and uh, I mean some of the NA and EU teams that have done very well at the uh, recent events, they get special treatment. Meaning, Rogue and Envious, for instance, go automatically to the playoffs. You know, the round robin playoffs later. And um, teams like Immortal, Selfless, Team Liquid, LG, they get, or even Cloud Nine, I believe they get seated right in this open qualifier. So a little bit more of an advantage than the others. Um, I think it's fine. I mean, I think they deserve it. You know, I, I don't think it's necessarily an unfair thing. Um, I'm not sure how many people think that. But overall, what do you guys think of just how it's structured? I, I like how you're you're like, this is the simple, easy way to understand. <laughs> I know, but it, yeah, it, I, it, I, it, okay, like yeah. 10,000 pixels high. No, uh, but... I, 
Yeah, go ahead, ZP. No, I was just going to say, I'm with Ben here. That is not a – when I look at that flow chart, I don't look at this like, yes, this makes it very easy to understand. Like, this I mean, is the way. There's actually a kind it's of – It's easier to understand than reading it. it. Like, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So basically, the, the TLDR here is Rogue and Envious are playing in Apex. They're likely to go far. They they had to schedule. They had to basically auto birth them. Like you could argue, Rogan. In fact, basically everyone would agree with you that Rogan Apex are the best Western teams. There's really no question about it. So it makes perfect sense. I don't think anyone should be too upset about this. But yeah. just logistically, they had to structure it like this with Rogan Apex going directly into the round robin. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Or sorry, Ro- Rogan uh, Envious going directly into the round robin because they're playing in Apex. Similarly for Cloud Nine, they're playing in Takeover. Uh, so they can't play in that first qualifier yeah. uh, for the NA region. So uh, are, you could also argue they're one of the top teams. So it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit rough around the edges. But the the basic TLDR is the top teams are getting seeded high in the open brackets. Teams that are have scheduled conflicts are bypassing the open bracket. And then that leads into groups. That's like That's like the much easier way of explaining it. If you want the nitty-gritty details... Captain Planet did God's work here, but uh, <laughs> it definitely did yeah. God's work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the easiest, the very easy summary is just: so if you are a pro team that has a reputation, you'll get some priority seating and a few perks going into this. But mm-hmm. the rest of it, it's simply randomized seating. Go in and uh, do your best. Um, let's talk about the future of Overwatch contenders because this first season is just more. It, it's pretty much a pro event. You know, all the top teams will be here. Eventually, though, uh, this thing will continue on, and all the envious and rogues and those teams, those will become Overwatch League teams. So they won't even be in this. What What do you think this functions as? You know, in the future, you know, in two thousand eighteen, for instance. Well, it functions as a way of getting people into the competitive scene if they're not immediately in Overwatch League, where there were concerns. And I think even just talking with you uh, off stream of uh, Chaman of the idea of, well, what are all these players going to do if they're not in Overwatch League? Because people don't know how many Overwatch League teams there's going to be. And, you know, if you take some of the more conservative estimates, that would potentially leave a lot of pro players without anything to do. Well, now, if you don't get into Overwatch League, this gives you something clearly to do where not only can you win a very sizable amount of money by playing in this and get sponsored and all the rest, but you can make a name for yourself and use it as a stepping stone to get into Overwatch League proper. So it means that if you are a player that wants to be involved in competitive Overwatch, you have venues to really excel and succeed and prove yourself, even if you're not immediately in the Overwatch League. And Blizzard had talked about the combine uh, concept, yeah. uh, which would basically be an opportunity for players to showcase their skills and the teams to cherry pick who they uh, who they think would would work best. I think this is uh, this is my interpretation. No insider info here, but uh, my interpretation of this is this is them trying to fill that that need of like having a proving ground for people mm-hmm. to show their skills. So uh, it's not OW League in, in the future. My my guess is this is going to be the place where teams find their next up-and-coming talent. Yeah. I kind of think of this, and if it's going to be going on in the summer too, this is kind of like the NBA Summer League. You know, if you guys follow NBA, if you don't, they basically have a summer league where, you know, after the NBA Finals, there's those three months. And during the Summer League is where um, some of the developmental league players as well as some of the the rookies and sophomores are actually on on nba teams go and play 
And it's a way to practice. It's also a way to try to catch the eye of folks, especially people on the developmental team. And there's been some success stories from that sort of thing. I feel like this is the equivalent to that. And um, when people, let's just say some teams do do well in the contenders. Um, outside of like an expansion draft, because I can see how like full teams being drafted that way. Are you going to see people just being cherry picked? Like each, like let's say that, that person on that team, like one of the top teams in the contender league will just be, cherry picked because there's not that many spots to be filled in Overwatch League, right? So how do you see that playing out? I think in the beginning uh, for Overwatch League, you will probably see full teams get plucked out of contenders, particularly teams that are not sponsored if they have a good showing. Mm -hmm. Going on into the future, if you're saying like season four of Overwatch contenders, well, I think you are going to be seeing players get plucked out because Ideally, the teams that are playing the Overwatch League have a lot of incredibly good players across all of it, but they'll be looking at the up-and-coming players and go, actually, we can get this guy and he'll be a better tank, or we'll get this guy and he'll be a better DPS. I don't think you're going to be seeing a lot of wholesale, actually, we're just going to grab an entire contender team and replace our full team here at the Overwatch League level going forward. I think it will happen on occasion, but overall, it's a lot more likely that a team does really well in OW contenders and the very best players from a winning team will get plucked and go to up and coming Overwatch League right. teams. Right. How do you think the following will be for Overwatch, just Overwatch contenders? Typically minor leagues and developmental leagues, they're not, well, maybe Challenger League does, did have some viewership, you know, in other esports, but these type of, you know, a second tier, <laughs> I would say, you know, leagues don't usually get that much hype or following do you think overwatch contenders will be better about that you know just given that there's prize pools and i don't again there's just not that many people in the overwatch league itself and and there'll be a lot of good players down here i mean that in in this particular case that comparison doesn't actually work because all of the top teams yeah well in this this year of course right this year future future, yeah future yeah yeah for future years it's i wouldn't expect it to be great this year, it could be the biggest we have for anything else. I, I, I don't think it'll beat the uh, the World Cup. I mean, World Cup had well over 200,000 peak concurrent viewers. Uh, but yeah. this well. year, I think it, it will do quite well. I think it really depends on how these things are scheduled out, right? Where when are you playing Overwatch contenders relative to Overwatch League? I think there's a lot of ways in terms of time slots you could put it in where you could still get very good numbers. Obviously, you wouldn't expect it to be as big as Overwatch League, but what is your measuring stick here? Are you measuring against Overwatch League numbers entirely, or are you measuring against other esports? I think something like this, when well-managed, well-promoted, and run, can not only create a lot of hype for up-and-coming players, but can get pretty competitive viewer numbers to a lot of other things on, say, a platform like Twitch, Mm -hmm. even if it's not as much as the main league. So it'll depend on how it's all set up, but I do think there's potential here to make it one of the most viewed setups that maybe not is the absolute top tier of competition, but still could be very entertaining, create some very interesting storylines. Yeah, I agree too. I mean, as long as it's not overlapping with the the main, you know, Overwatch League, it, it should be pretty good. Um, th- I hope they continue with the prize pool too. I think 50k per region is great, you know, for something like this, especially when it's, you know, not supposed to be a major, I would say a major tournament. So keeping the support, you know, just for this developing um you know area of overwatch i think is is really really good hopefully we'll see some college stuff too eventually you know kind of pop up but for the semi-pro or the aspiring pros this is awesome uh any last thoughts on overwatch container before we move on to news 
I mean, mm-hmm. for me, I just think it's a great opportunity for the scene and should yeah. absolutely make for a very exciting June uh, to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on to news. Uh, lots of player news and some news that we never didn't get to last week, so we're just going to touch on it. Um, Cloud9, some big player changes there. Sully ended up uh, dropping from the team, or they ended up um, removing him from the team. And Kaiser ends up joining the team, which Kaiser leaving Runaway was obviously big news. And then now he's joining C9. So, um, yeah, Kaiser... Uh, one of the best Ryans, if not the best Ryan in the world, in my opinion. Uh, what do you think about C9 right now? It's a promising pickup. There's no doubt about it. I was a little bit surprised that Sully ended up getting removed as quick as it was because I, everyone saw his flaws from the outside in, right? Where there was overextension going on where he would get picked off early and all the rest. But I think a lot of people sort of chalked it up the communication issues because they were just working on calls and it was a new team and that they would iron that out and he would stay with C9. But I think it might have been more just the idea where, well, we can sit here, we can fix this with coaching, or we have a great opportunity to get one of the very best tank players in the world, and we still have a project here with Selly, so maybe it just makes more sense to drop Selly and get Kaiser. I would guess now that we have the full picture that it was a equation all along there where it wasn't just drop Selly, find a replacement. It was probably get Kaiser and probably drop Selly because it makes the most sense now. Yeah, obviously Kaiser is an incredible Reinhardt. Uh, we've seen that time and time again uh, through his Apex matches. What I'm wondering is how much of Cloud9's uh, game plan is going to be around Reinhardt in the future or or versus Dive Cop, right? Uh, you know, Dive so strong right now in so many situations. I actually don't know uh you know what what other picks Kaiser is super comfortable with outside of Reinhardt, but obviously, you know, with his with his talent, you'd expect to see them playing a lot more Ryan. Probably uh you, you could expect either Gods or Shorefor to maybe flex into the Roadhog pick if they're going with Ryan. Um but I, I'm wondering like with Kaiser on the squad, do they continue to run dive comp uh, in, in all those situations, all the King of, King of the Hill points where it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So many payload maps, like Dive is just so strong right now. So um, that that's the big question for me is how how much will this change their game plan on maps that favor Dive comps? Well, I think it's a little bit presumptuous to think that Kaiser's Winston isn't also going to yeah. do pretty well with C9. He's I think they're sure, yeah, his sure. ability to play Winston. But yeah. Yeah. more than that, I would also just say is that we have seen a bit of a rebound here, particularly in the Western scene where yeah. not every team is running dive. Like there was right. a time where everyone was going, let's emulate rogue. Everyone run the Winston dive comp, but we haven't seen more of a push back to seeing grind play more evenly balanced coming back in. And I, I think for C9, they'll have the option to run either, but I, I do think people kind of got too far away from Ryan. And now you're seeing teams, particularly in the month of May, like we saw mm-hmm. a lot of teams run in with Reinhardt composition. So there is a bit of a balance between. The yeah. Two we've been seeing even some teams in apex running Ryan and the last parts of certain maps too, and running it to a, a very much success. So yeah, well, I, definitely a good point of that. Ryan is making its way back in the meta uh, right now. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see even what Gods does right now, you know, because there's a lot of talk before Bishop saying Gods would be a great tank, and now it seems like he's going to be going back to you know either flex or DPS. So um, it'll be we saw a little bit of it in the month of melee uh, yesterday, but of course we didn't see the full team. <laughs> That's going to be uh, the future of C9 here. Another pickup that we saw was CLG picking up Shake. You know, Shake's come up. 
a few times in the last couple of weeks about, you know, there's just a, a great Ana out there. So uh, it's good to see that CLG picked him up and he played pretty amazing in the monthly melee too, if uh, you guys were able to catch it. Uh, I know uh, ZP, obviously you were, you were running obs and everything. What'd you think of Shake's play? I mean, Shake clearly improved CLG versus where things were with the, the biggest thing that was brought up by the casters, by the analysts over and over again is that, CLG felt a lot more comfortable running non-fair compositions where it seemed like with the, they were much more hesitant to bring out an Ana. Whereas with shake, they were much more willing to bring that out. And hydration had one of his better days of Genji. I think we've ever seen him on where (laughs) historically didn't work as well for him. Shake certainly did a good job of supporting him in that endeavor. And it seemed to just in general, shake being on CLG has opened up the compositions that can run. It's made them a more versatile team. And, they had a pretty good showing overall. I mean, before unfortunate tech issues reared their head, they were one the one against Selfless, where Selfless, of course, seen as the favorite coming into the tournament. That's a pretty good resurgence, I would say, for CLG. I mean, CLG already had the momentum behind them uh, going into this. Uh, I mean, they've been doing better and better, mm-hmm. um, especially considering they, well, they basically went from no tournament results at all like one or two really poor results and then all of a sudden they're taking games off the top teams if not beating them outright so shake obviously has made a big impact on this team and frankly you can't it's hard to argue against the fact that they're one of the top teams in north america now i mean they've looked really really good so it's a it's been a great Mm -hmm. turnaround yeah great pickup by then you're right ben i mean literally three weeks ago we were like where's clg at like we have, you know, they have this team. We like never see any results from them, and they've gone from that to really making a big splash in the last week or two, or at least two weeks now. So uh, excited to see CLG. It's just such a big, obviously, esport brand being, um, you know, a big part of Overwatch. It's really, really great. Uh, another bit of news that we have is Ajax stepping down from NRG. So, um, you know, another change to this NRG team. It seems like you know they're still searching for just the right combination for the roster but um yeah ajax what do you guys think you know was he the problem here or maybe one of the issues that they were having i think it's some i mean you can go in and talk about some of the deficiencies that ajax might have had his gameplay but i think it's pretty clear seeing nrg's next outing in the overwatch monthly melee qualifier minus ajax that there's clearly much more deeper systemic problems on that team because that was probably nrg's worst outing since they came back and that was with Grego, who honestly was not playing too badly at all for NRG there. So I it's one of those things where NRG has other problems to fix. Yeah, I mean, Harbly mentioned it in that one of those clips that I saw like on his stream that he, he feels like it's a mental issue, at least when they're in events and they're competing, but because they practice so much better. I I mean, it's one thing for Harb to say that, and it's somewhat lip service, but... I don't know if I buy that as an explanation. It's like, oh, it's just a mental issue. We're just, you know, it's nerves on game day. They're not just losing. They're getting crushed, and they're not really making themselves competitive in what they're doing. So I, I find it hard to believe with RG that just a, oh, we just have a few minor things to work out, and then we'll, you know, we'll be right back on top. Energy hasn't really shown that, period. I bet Reddit, everyone on Reddit right now is like, <laughs> aha, I was right. It was Ajax. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> Reddit loves to come up with their, yeah, anyway, never mind. I'll move on from that. But obviously yeah. not a big surprise. Everyone mm-hmm. seemed to be calling for this yeah. weeks and weeks before it happened. Um, 
hopefully energy has a turnaround. I mean, yeah, yeah Harblu keeps saying this. He said the same thing when when uh, Siegel dropped from the team. He said, "Oh shucks, too bad. We were on such a we had such good momentum. We were doing so well in the scrims. Okay. If only we had shown it or had the opportunity mm-hmm. to show it." So. Hope we see a turnaround. The whole scene hopes we yeah, see a turnaround. The whole scene, I think, and, and Harb's defense, for a by the way, Harb is a very positive individual, Absolutely. and you have to be in that situation. And you're not going to come out in public and go, "Well, gee, guys, actually, I just think that the team is unsalvageable, and we're not going to win anything ever." Like he has to be public facing, positive, and say, "Actually, it's just a few small things. We fix these, we'll be fine." It's just from the analyst point of view, you have to look at that and go, "But your results are so far from where they should be. It feels like there's." A bigger issue involved so i mean credit where credit is due to harb i mean i think harb is publicly and how he's handling it is saying the right things and i know generally speaking he has a very positive attitude for stuff so no shade on harb but yeah. nrg clearly has more than just small issues to fix yeah uh okay next bit of news tsm signs alvin bot calvin which should make a lot of people <laughs> happy and excited about that and uh gay gay uh gail uh, adelaide to stream network so they're hiring them on as you know, just more of a stream team type of thing, more so than the professional team. So people don't freak out about this quite yet. Um, yeah, any thoughts on that? I mean, people have been talking about Calvin for a while now and just, you know, people love his stream. Um, oh. Good pickup, TSM? Well, I mean, just the numbers, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no question. Right? Sponsors, yeah. the sponsor impressions happen. TSM knows what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, just so people know how these things go down, it's one of those cases where TSM will go to streamers and go, look, we want to boost our numbers to make our sponsors happy. Why don't you sign with us? And when you sign with us, you will get more money from Twitch and you will get more money from us where we will pay you some form of monthly salary. So it's just a case where (laughs) it doesn't really have too much of an impact on anything competitive. It's just TSM building their stream brand and Aimbot Calvin, how am I saying his full name? Calvin and I just Gale call him will up, right? both get. Yeah, I'm just reading the like note here. It's like, yeah. anyways, they're they're both going to get compensated well from multiple ends by signing with this. TSM will get to present a better sponsor portfolio. That's basically it. Yeah, and uh, not reading. I don't want to read too too much into it, but just because Calvin is a full time streamer and not a competitor right now doesn't mean that he won't be or he won't be competing in the future. I haven't talked to him or anything, but. Uh, I think anybody like anybody with that level of skill uh, and and that drive to compete. Yes. I mean, streaming is incredibly lucrative. If you get thousands upon thousands of viewers, whenever you go live, you can make a really good living doing that. Uh, So I would absolutely not ever blame him or, or, you know, uh, be surprised even if he decided to just stick with streaming full time. But I also equally would be not surprised <laughs> if he decided to transition back over to playing competitively. One, <clears throat> excuse me, once OW League launches and the Contenders League launches, and we actually even got a tiny little hint about spicy. that. Uh, yeah, spicy little breaking news. I, I don't know. Uh, not quite sure what to make of it. But both Calvin and Siegel on their streams both said that they're like talking to each other about maybe competing or making a team for the contenders. So I, I would not put it out of the question that once contenders keeps moving forward or even further down the line when OW League launches, maybe Calvin and Gail actually play on a TSM team. Who knows? Anything's possible. Well, I, I think a lot of this dialogue or you know where the interest came especially with Siegel because obviously Siegel took a step back from the the pro NRG team but at the same time Siegel did mention that the um, Overwatch contenders allowed for streaming of the games as long as there was three minute uh, 
uh, delay oh. right on it. Yeah. So. Oh baby. Yeah. So no one's ever gonna do it though, and I'm gonna be. <laughs> what sad. do you mean nobody's gonna? You mean nobody's gonna stream it? So, but that's a cool thing. I, I feel like when Siegel talks to Calvin, it's like, okay, they're gonna put together this kind of fun summer team together, and they're gonna stream it and just you know have fun that way. And it's not like this pro team that some people are thinking about. So there is one side note here since we're talking about TSM and NRG in short succession and for people wondering, and this is a case where I'm not going to really give my thoughts on this. I'll just say make your own conclusions as to what it means for team building all the rest. But uh, TSM Derek, who was the guy who was building the TSM Overwatch team, has actually moved over to NRG and he is now NRG's new general manager. So any NRG related things for building their team, he's going to be in charge of that. And TSM presumably has someone new in charge of building whatever Overwatch efforts they may have. So that's just a small like news note, but that uh, was announced a little bit earlier. What are you insinuating? <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I'm just okay. noting the change right. here. Um, but okay, well, it'll so be fun. if it's true I, I, that Siegel... It'll be fun. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I know, you go ahead. I was going to say oh, the same I thing, mean, probably. If, it, if it's true that Siegel and Calvin are forming a team... Do they play under a, a name? <laughs> NRM? Form a team for contenders and stream all of their matches. Can you imagine how hyped that will be? Holy, oh, yeah. God, please well, make this happen. I know, it will right? Be, That'd be so fun, man. So here's the thing. It will get a lot of press. It could get a lot of hype, but the fuel to all that hype would be winning if they, you know, for example, if Seagull and Calvin put together a stream team and say it goes terribly then it's a lot of just negative hype walls, et cetera. It's if it does negative. well, then it's amazing. I mean, it's not, it depends uh, well, on how it's presented. If it's presented as just this fun thing, then there's really no risk to it, you know, from a negative PR standpoint. I mean, if they're going try hard like, and they're like, I'm trying to win this thing, like we're practicing a million times, then yeah, then there could be some negativity to it if they lose early and that sort of thing. I don't know if I fully agree there. I think it's one of those things where if you go deep into the tournament but not win, that's super respectable and people love it. If you get knocked out super early to something that is unexpected, I think people can be harsh. I, anytime you have a stream set up like that, or really anytime a streamer participates in competition, period, there is always that risk-reward there where people respect you making a good show of it. People will get very snarky if you significantly underperform, I feel like. Okay, um, let's see. The next bit is actually non-player. <laughs> that was a lot of player and team news there. Uh, but we Jeff did come out and say uh, a little bit of tidbit that I, I thought, or a tidbit that I thought was pretty interesting. Jeff says they're working on an Overwatch API for tracking stats, which uh, definitely tickles my fancy because, yes, I mean, not only do we need, like, stats and all that stuff to show just in production for a lot of these events, but even sites, you know, like, over over buff or over GG, what you know whatever sites too can kind of formulate their own type of stats to show and and, and um, you know, curate some kind of cool you know stats that we don't see currently in the game. Um, I can't wait for that to go. I hopefully Jeff will be releasing that in the near future. But this is the first talk of an API, and I thought it was super interesting. Can we get some bless RNG in chat for this? <laughs> this is, like. Yeah. This is an incredibly big deal. Spectator yes, mode. Huge. You know, you could add static kit, like camera positions around the map. You could add all these things, like whatever. There's all these things you could do to make spectator mode better, but none of them are going to be as significant as a proper stats dashboard. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Please, base <laughs> Blizzard, base Jeff Kaplan, give this to us, <laughs> deliver us the data that we have been asking for. It may just be, who knows? Maybe it happened. Maybe they dropped it before contenders. 
maybe. Mm, you think so? Okay. I don't know. It's the first official Blizzard tournament, man. Who knows? Stats are great. There's really nothing more to say there where the more information available, the more cool things people are going to be able to do. We already have websites like Winston's Lab that go out of their way to generate basically stats out of the most just difficult ways of grabbing it where they created uh, a program that will go through the VODs and just analyze the it's visual events that are crazy. going on and then parse it into statistics. Oh, that's now, how that works? Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually it does crazy. The, like the yeah. visual... Okay, wow. Like it reads the kill feed. It, it, it actually it maps just it out. It maps feed. out like what happens at different yeah. timelines and things like that. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So if you're giving people that are intelligent enough to make really cool statistical analysis from basically nothing right now, if you give them a real API with other stats that you couldn't get from, say, watching VODs, what you'll be able to see, the formulas you'll be able to find, the ways of breaking down Overwatch games. It's actually pretty insane. This isn't just something as simple as, oh, we get to see this guy has more kills. If you give really detailed info behind the scenes and give the people that have really just excellent ways of interpreting it, you'll get some truly remarkable stuff. So it's really exciting. Don't forget Overwatch World Cup. They had like total yes, damage, dealt, total total yeah. healing done. They had that on big monitors um, back at uh, BlizzCon. Just putting, yeah, that out just putting that out there. No, but uh, just the last point. I, I just think having an, a public API like this just allows for more of the community to even give Blizzard ideas, you know, to, to add whatever to the Overwatch League production or um, maybe even build in-game. So it just, I think, opens up just an even larger think tank for, for just what could be cool from the, from the standpoint of stats. Um, okay, well, I uh, want to remind folks that you can listen to the overview on iTunes as well as Google Podcasts and SoundCloud. A lot of folks don't know that you know that the audio versions are available, so definitely go check that out if you want to listen on the way to work or you know just on your iPad or iPhone. And if you do like the show um, and you do have a little bit of time, just go over to iTunes and leave us a five star review. Helps folks find the overview when they're looking for an Overwatch podcast, and it helps us out a great deal. And I really appreciate the folks that have done that so far. Um, but let's talk about. Overwatch Monthly Melee, which is ZP's probably the the uh, the main segment for for ZP this week, just because of um, you know ZP was running production here. But the, this is the last Overwatch Monthly Melee, and it was going so well, man! It was totally going great. We've had some great matches, and then you know, ran into a, a few technical issues, which couldn't help. I mean, in Comcast Internet. I mean, sometimes it just happens. It happens to me on show these. You know, this show happened. I think one time, and um, you know, unfortunately, it, it interrupted the monthly melee. But the monthly monthly melee will be resuming Thursday, right, CP? It will be resuming Thursday. And let me just tell you that recent events have really cemented in people's minds why Comcast is a beloved company. <laughs> uh, people love their ISPs in America. I tell you. And our government's trying to give ISPs more power. God. Damn it. Uh, anyway, that's a different topic. Uh, <laughs> I know you want to go in there, and I would be completely on board, but it'd probably go a little bit beyond the scope. But, I mean, it's unfortunate. Uh, I was incredibly bummed out when it happened, and it just... Unfortunately, when it comes to the production stuff, it's not quite as easy as, oh, just throw another guy on stream and do it. There's a lot to be said in terms of yeah. saying things like making sure it's a good stream experience, making sure audio is good and all the rest, and it's not as simple as just having a backup option available. I mean, there's only a handful of people that can really run production 
and make it look good in the Overwatch scene right now, period. So it sucks. Uh, internet going out is just one of those yeah. things that is pretty high up there on catastrophic things that can happen to you in the middle of a production. Then hopefully things will be fully set and yeah. set up uh, going into Thursday. This is a case where because we know that this is a much higher likely chance of happening. We are going to have some form of extra backup and process, but Good. it That's does cool. require a lot of setup on another person's part going into it. And we will be calling that in for Thursday, just in the off chance that my internet is not fixed. It does look like it's fixed now to be get, just as a yeah. disclaimer, but we aren't taking any chances to finish out things strong. Yeah, I mean, not, not to like dwell on that, that aspect of it. I mean, the, the tournament itself kind of quickly, there were some great matches. Anything that you, you guys wanted to point out, at least which teams are surprising you and, and which matches do you think were amazing? Well, the biggest story there, of course, is Yikes, where mm-hmm. they came yep. on strong in the previous monthly melee, and they not just beat Selfless, they 2-0'd Selfless in the upper bracket final. Yikes is a big story right now as far as what they're doing, because not only did they beat Selfless, but they are unsponsored right now. And there's a lot of teams that might want to get back into Overwatch. So I would say there's a lot of potential here for Yikes. Even if it turns out that Selfless, say, beats CLG and then ends up winning the tournament and Yikes ends up with runner-up, they've already created such a name for themselves with their performance over the last weekend and really the last month that... I think they're the most exciting story where mm-hmm. you s- you've seen players like XQC go from being just sort of bombastic ladder heroes to suddenly potentially being one of the best tanks in the game. Yeah, it's pretty sick to see a team uh, rise to prominence like this. And here we go again, Chris. We're going through the <laughs> NA cycle once more. Well, this is uh, different. Uh, but yeah. I mean, it's a little different, but uh, Selfless has been at the top of the scene, uh, obviously uh, excluding Envious and Rogue who are only in NA for like a couple weeks, but <clears throat> for the teams that have been solidly in an, in NA for the last couple months, selfless has been pretty, pretty dominant uh, and, and yikes with uh, incredible showing and uh, lots of players stood out, but um, XQC play great, but ZZA, ZA, pizza. Yes. I don't, what do you call it? I don't know. ZA. ZA. Uh, personally for me, I'm on the thing of saying ZA because yeah. here's what it comes down to. You might say it's short for pizza, but I really dislike this entire thing that players do where they name themselves something that clearly does not pronounce it. From the If someone tunes in on the cast, I don't want them to be confused going, well, what's pizza? Just saying za. Like, it's ZZA. I've never so, called pizza za, just by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never called it that. Well, the thing is that he doesn't have a PI in front. So if you add the <laughs> PI there, it's dumb. It makes no sense to the viewers. I mean, yeah, eventually they're going to get it. But it's on the player where if he wants to be referred to as pizza, he has to put that in front of his name. <laughs> right. Because otherwise, from the caster point of view, you can't just invent a different way of calling it when the text is something different. I mean, I think the worst part there is that there is a player uh, back in uh, the Overwatch Open qualifiers where you know, his name was Buha Pedora. And he's like, oh, it just oh, means great. It just, it just means grape. Call me grape. And there was a cast where the casters were calling him grape. I went, I remember afterwards, I go to them like, guys, don't call him grape. His name is Buho. No one is going to understand what is going on here. Until it's he true. changes into grape, it's he's Buho. Yeah, like if I'm just you know, tuning in. How you pronounce his name, though. <laughs> his pharaoh was sick, dude. <laughs> was oh, sick. my God. His pharaoh was like uncontested. I mean, pharaoh had like... Well, he was what, shooting Farrah's out of the sky, too. I mean, he was hitting yeah. people. Yeah, he was on fire with Farrah. 
It's definitely yeah. I mean, I think Yikes Yikes is made up mostly of the old Denial team, right? Is is that correct? It is. It's straight up. The it old pretty denial much is team. Denial team, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they were so good. Um, I think one of my favorite matches during the whole thing was the CLG Team Liquid one too. I think that was a, a really great match. If you guys didn't catch it, but um, yeah, just kind of like all these teams, I feel like are almost on the same level right now. I think that's why it's so fun to watch. Uh, and that's been the case with the monthly melee for a while now. There's a lot of parody in the monthly melee, which uh, plays for a lot of epic matches. So um, where yeah, are we right um, now? So we we oh, go ahead, Ben. Oh, uh, just we had uh, uh, let's see, we had Cato Miner in chat also mentioning Tempo, who had a really oh, yeah, good, yeah. good performance, uh, right. breakout performance for them as well. Mm-hmm. Team Liquid is playing better. You know, it, you're right. I, I think you're definitely right that there's just a whole bunch of teams that are around the same level in NA right now. It's, it's kind of cool. It's exciting. So we have a question in chat from uh, Ko who's asking whether or not Tailspin will make a comeback in Overwatch Contenders. And this is where I do have a bit of info here where it's not like oh. super secret, but people okay. might not know. But uh, the former Fnatic uh, group, they are still playing together. Uh, Tailspin is with them. And oh, I believe wow. the name going forward is Ooh. like Bricktown Boys or something like that. But uh, as far as I know, they have plans to compete in there. And I'm definitely Great. excited to see what comes up from that. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, some of the old guys together, right? Um, some of them. Wait, I'm trying to think of the, the squad now. Okay, that should be interesting. I mean, Tailspin definitely could add a lot to. I mean, even just the old, you know, Fnatic team. So um, member okay. cool, Matt. I member. Yeah, member cool, Matt. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. So why don't we uh, again, like the the end of or the conclusion for Overwatch Monthly Melee will be Tuesday. So definitely check that out. Uh, moving on to Apex, we didn't get a chance to talk too much about Apex, or we did talk about one of the matches. We seem to always be like a week offset with Apex. So I figured this week we just talk about Envious, just generally. Um, you know, if you guys didn't catch the ones this morning, too bad. We're just going to spoil it anyways and talk about it. But last week, uh, you know, we referred to uh, well, we actually we didn't talk about the results. So Envious ended up reverse sweeping Meta Athena three two after getting off to a bit of slow of a start, and that surprised me to be honest and the thing that stood out was just effect and the effect he had on the entire team uh and that continued this morning too where they just rolled rg wings or rhino gaming rings and um same thing effect had a huge impact and i wanted to get y'all's thoughts on just what you've seen in this change in envious well, it's a bad day to be Louis somewhat with uh, how effective uh, effect is being is probably yes. the way I would. I mean, that's just a gut feel and looking at that. But I mean, it is good for Envy here where one of the key things in Overwatch right now is that you do need a very good tank and support core. And we see the terrible things that happen to a team when they don't have a good tank and support core. But Envy has always had that. And the struggle has been at times to have proper DPS combos for the current meta. But when you have a player like Effect that's playing as well as he does, and you still have the really good tank and support core that Envy has always had with players like Chips and Coco, well, it makes for great things, and Envy is looking far better right now in the season than they did previously. Yeah, Effect is sick, man. I think this He's is so re-solidifying so once good. again for me that, honestly, I think in the current state of Overwatch, every team needs to have a Tracer main. A Tracer... When you're a top-tier Tracer player, you can just change everything in the blink of an eye. Um, and it, in effect, showed just just how powerful I mean, he's, uh, a good Tracer can be. I mean, he's it's number really one sick. Tracer, right, on ladder. and Oh, is that true? I yeah, and, that. and on the Korean ladder. And it showed, man. I mean, just watching him, yeah. I, I, I might have mentioned it last week. There were just a few things like watching him that, that's a, 
just different for me as a spectator than watching like soon or some of the others. And I don't know, he just makes some plays that are just like, Oh man, I didn't never thought about doing that, you know? And, and, um, he, it's just like countless amounts of those type of plays. And he just doesn't die. The guy's death rate is so low. And it, when you have a guy that's constantly harassing and constantly doing that, it, it's just amazing just to see how much pressure he, t- it just, he takes off of guys like Taimu, you know, having to make crazy plays and, and carry. So um, they look well, really a, good right now. It is worth noting that Effect is doing really well, but I, I will note that anytime you have another good DPS partner with someone, it makes them look even better. Mm-hmm. I would just point to times with Selfless where you see someone like Sinatra has lots of room opened up yeah. from him by Defran. Yep. I think for a DPS to really shine in Overwatch, they need a DPS partner that is just as scary and threatening. So you can't get into situations where you sort of overly focus on one. In fact, even Selfless is an example there where teams have actually adapted where Sinatra is a very good player, but teams realized actually it's still better the dive to friend and make his life as miserable as possible because there is an imbalance there. Right. Yeah, and to, to your point, we have Garviel in chat mentioning that Taimu's job in that uh, in that uh, BK Stars game, uh, or one of the main, one of the best things he did for his team was kind of bait out the other team. They kept yeah, trying to dive point, and get yeah. him out of the fight. And you to- I totally understand that mentality. Mm-hmm. When when you're playing dive, you usually want to try and, and go for that McCree first. But they were playing it, positioning in such a way mm-hmm. that diving on Taimu put them in a bad position and, and totally opened things up for effect. So I think you're right. totally right, CP. And well, vice versa, also, too. It, it, I think effect opened things up for Taimu also. You know, like... Before you were seeing, I think, you know, they picked up effect. You were seeing just teams just diving Taimu. And again, huge pressure on Taimu, I felt like, um, having to, to have uh, like mirac- not miraculous games, but just he had to play really, really well every single game for them to, to, you know, get wins or eke out wins. Now I feel like, you know, he's, he's able to have a lot less pressure and therefore stay alive longer. And, you know, we've seen Taimu when he's just is able to sustain and just take on entire teams. Well, to throw back to a more traditional sports reference here, too, you also have the entire idea where if you look at the NFL, I'm going to throw back to a uh, very good but uh, eventually tortured season. If you look back at, say, the 2007 Patriots, right, where you have Randy Moss on a team that has a whole bunch of other threats. Randy Moss throughout his career, what do you do against Randy Moss? You throw three people on him and you go, well, you can't do anything, Randy Moss, because now you have three people. That actually isn't true. Sometimes you beat the triple coverage. But then you throw him on a team where you have a a Wes Welker that's there, and then it's like, wait. What do we do here? If we throw everyone on the Moss, we're going to get burned by this other guy. If we throw everyone on the Welker, we're going to get burned by Moss. So the Overwatch equivalent here is that you have a dilemma on Envy where you can't throw everyone on Taimu because Effect will kill you. But if you throw more people on Effect, well, suddenly Taimu is freed up. Yeah, and Effect is looking like one of the best Tracers right now, too. So we're not talking about just, you know, a Tracer main that's solid and stuff. He looks like one of the best ones I've seen in, in Apex so far. So um, I think this elevates Envy to, like, a different level. I mean, I think they're going to contend. I, I wouldn't say they're, like, favorite to win or anything like that, but they're definitely going to contend to win this this league or this season. And uh, interesting for Envy, in my opinion, is... This is the second time they've made substantial roster changes <laughs> yep. that everyone else, when they make a roster change, it's like, we'll switch this DPS player out for another DPS player. No, Envy is thinking outside of the box. They're going for players from different regions, different uh, servers, uh, and you know they're switching uh, Harry Hook, who blew everyone's mind with his hit scan 
uh, gameplay, they're happy to switch him back. They're, they're comfortable with switching him back to Lucio, uh, even given his incredible talent uh, with Hitscan, because they're, they're open to basically structurally changing the team, which I think yeah. is great. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, you know, definitely good luck to them. I think Rogue plays soon too. Um, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully get a chance to talk soon? about Rogue next eh? week. Uh, soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, why don't we go into some questions, a Q&A portion here. We have a, an, an emailed question from Fandingo here, but if you guys are interested in um, Q&A just each week, go ahead and email us at theoverview at chamanb.tv and we'll read out your questions if, uh, you know, we definitely have enough time. Fandingo asks, in esports, Sombra in a one-healer comp has positively taken over two CP uh, point B defenses. The virus, quote-unquote the virus, is the spreading rap- wait, is spreading rapidly to point A on many two CP maps. Notably, Cox of Runaway and Chips of Envious, both on Vizcaya. Yeah, definitely. Do you think Sombra will ever will see more esports play on other map types, particularly point A of hybrid? He's got three questions here, so that's the first one. Do you think you'll you'll see it a lot more? And then it says, how do you feel about the current EMP charge rate from Hack Health Packs? And then the last thing, and any thought, other thoughts on Sombra and esports? Well, I'm going to answer all of them in one fell swoop here and just say that okay. it really depends on how strong she is overall right now. Because anytime you have a meta in a video game, there's multiple phases. First, you have the phase of, oh, we found a way of making this work, and it's catching people off guard. That's sort of <laughs> right. the phase where people haven't really had a chance to formulate counters or they haven't found it yet and the hero is doing really well and then sometimes you have in that phase you have other people copy it going oh this is the way to go the question is whether or not there is a solid counterplay that makes sombra not really as viable because you see plenty of times in esports where people come up with a meta and then people go actually if you just run this it's fine and you deal with it perfectly and then you never see the hero again i don't think sombra has been played for enough time to cp the really figure out whether or not she's here permanently or is just going to be a niche pick. So we'll have to see. So that's basically answering question one and three right here. EMP charge rate is probably one of those things where it, I would guess that it has to be where it is right now. I, unless Sombra gets more damage because she is really reliant on EMP to make things happen. Her, mm-hmm. even though Sombra's have gotten better at harassing with her damage, I don't think you can really justify her without her really big upside, which is EMP being up rather frequently. But uh, for those of you who didn't watch last week's games, uh, last week's Apex games, you've got to go watch Envious first meta, or excuse me, <laughs> uh, Envious first. Metathena. Metathena? It was Metathena. Yeah, Metathena. Last week. Uh, super incredibly exciting games, yes. and Chips put on a clinic <laughs> of how to play Sombra on first point defense on Volskaya. I know that was mentioned in the question, but it's all about the subtle parts of this. Like, it's you can't just play Sombra on first point and expect it to work. He the way that he hacked the health pack closest to the point, not the big health pack, the small health pack closest in the to little the room point, in the tiny and played room. around that. Like he never strayed far from that, or if he did, he always had his teleporter on it. So he was able to participate in every fight. Yet every time he's in danger, he just transports right to that health pack. And because it's so close to the point, he could still continue to participate in the fight. Mm-hmm. The way that he, the, the, the little subtle aspects of that really made all the difference. And you got to go study that if you want to learn how to play Sombra 
uh, on defense. Uh, Chips did an amazing well, job of that. Well, the other thing, too, is that if you have the entire strategy where Sombra is staying near a health pack and not really moving from it all that much, but being a real pain, it also creates matchup problems for a lot of the flanking DPS you're seeing people running right now, where if you're a tracer, what you want to do is you just want to take a hero down quickly and have that be that. If a Sombra is just sitting by a health pack, suddenly that's a really annoying kill mm -hmm. to go in because as you reload, the person's probably going to heal, and it goes back and forth in a way that goes against your idea of getting quick kills. So it makes Sombra a much more difficult hero to kill when she's in that mode, even though she's not really putting out quite as much in the way of damage that other heroes could be doing. And just the EMP. I mean, when when the the you know attacking team is pushing that point, they get all EMP'd. Almost more times than not, they're going to get wiped like at that moment, and that's what we've been seeing. Volskaya is probably Envious' strongest map right now, I would say. like They looked great on it again uh, this morning, uh, and yeah, it has a lot to do with chips. A lot of people are doing the same thing now, too. You know, we're seeing it. I think we might have seen... Was it Minute Athena that maybe first started like the, the Sombra play? I mean, I remember on Hunt Moor they were doing it. Um, I don't remember if they did it on Vaskaya too, but um, it's starting to become a virus, as Vandigo was saying. Um, yeah, the, the charge rate, I mean, it, it plays a big factor right now. There's been times where we've actually seen it twice. The MP able to do it twice in almost like a, the span of maybe the beginning of a battle and maybe towards the end of a battle, like a Sombra would have it. So um, it feels like it's too fast, but like you said, UDP, she still feels like a total, you know, ult. That like all she's good for is her ult, you know, a lot of times. And it, it they think they need to change some more of it. It's, she's probably the next one I would say that's going to get some kind of Lucio redesign at some point. Well, I think for me, and this is a case where I, I'm not going to try like playful designer here. Uh, the yeah. designers do what they do, and. Uh, like, that's great. And some of those things where players are like, well, what if this? What if this? And then you suddenly you're just ruining everything. I do think there is the idea where maybe Sombra could go to the idea of just being... Uh, I, I've always liked the idea of making her to where she has a much lower clip size, but good damage to where maybe she can't finish out a full kill on her own. But if you catch someone at half HP, you could just kill them rather easily with her gun. Her gun, to me, is almost the opposite of what I would expect a stealth hero to be, where she has an incredibly high clip size, but low throughput, unless you're attacking a tank point blank. Yeah. Whereas I do wonder how she would be if you had the opposite, where she had really lethal bullets, uh, less of a spread, but she didn't have the, say, damage to kill a 200 HP hero right away. But it'd be where maybe a soldier in the back takes a Pharah rocket, soldier or Sombra comes out of stealth, and then just insta-pops the soldier. Okay. Stuff like that could sure. be really cool. But that is a rather different design. Yeah. Anybody that has strong bullets and stealth is kind of scary. <laughs> Definitely. Um, okay, well, um, any maybe time for one quick question. You guys see any quick questions? Maybe in a Twitch chat, if you guys want to maybe ask a, a quick one. We got time for maybe like five yeah, minutes. Yeah, I, I got to bounce pretty yeah. soon here, but do we want to talk about the the patch, actually? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, the, the patch. PTR, Let's just talk about PTR the PTR patch. patch. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked about the PTR notes a couple of weeks ago when they hit. But everything has been converted to live except for the Orisa 15% mm -hmm. uh, damage reduction. It's now only 9%. Uh, I don't know if you remember last time we talked about this. That was like the one part of this patch that uh, raised my eyebrows. So I'm glad to see that Orisa is getting a little bit less of a, of a nerf here. Mm -hmm. uh, but man, I'm, I'm actually really excited to see, uh, you know, we're going to see it. In, in the Alienware Monthly Melee on Thursday, <laughs> we're going to see these patches, this patch actually go live. Questions are, for me, 
is the one damage uh, from 20 to 19 for Soldier. Is that enough to swing the balance a little bit further towards McCree, a little bit more towards, you know, other, you know, Genjis and Pharahs and, and other DPS characters? Is this, is the 10% uh, decrease in charge time for Hanzo, is that enough to make Hanzo viable? Uh, I think those those are two of my biggest questions here uh, with this patch. But what do you think? What do you think, ZP, going into Alienware? I think one thing I'm actually really curious on is what go- happens with Reinhardt Earthshatter, because right now, one of the more reliable ways of dealing with a Nanoblade, which could still get juked out, by the way, is an Earthshatter. But now I sort of wonder the lot of the areas where Genji is going to be. I think it might actually be much more difficult to tag a double jumping Genji with an Earthshatter to deal with a Nanoblade, which would make that particular variant, which teams like Team Liquid run very, very well right now. Like their Nanoblade is execution is one of the very best of the entire game. So removing one of the counters to that is interesting. Of course, Team Liquid is no longer in the monthly melee, but still looking forward. I'm really curious as to the impact of that. I will note too that a soldier nerf in general certainly hurts selfless, uh, makes the friends output yeah. not as good as it could be. And given that he's still in many people's minds, the best soldier in the tournament, uh, it hits selfless more directly than other teams. I would say, I mean, given how prominent Pharaoh was in the earlier portion of Alienware monthly melee, you just w- got to wonder if this even makes Pharaoh scarier. You know, how are you going to stop her with that? I mean, you're, are you going to have to go, double hit scan like or do you just go ferry yourself and a lot of a lot of questions here mm-hmm. yeah but um i guess we're you know they'll find out some stats they probably didn't get too much stats in btr again right so i think we'll find out pretty quickly these don't seem like such major changes that we'll see like impacts immediately you know people abusing these things but um probably after about a month or so we'll probably start feeling the effects of it I think they're yeah, all. I, I'm glad that almost all of these changes are pretty minor, right? Yeah, they're. I, I'm curious I, to see. I'm actually. It's one of those things where I am loath to call anything minor because both in the player perception of the changes and how they react against it, and also just in actuality when you break down into changes to effective kill types, and all the rest. It might be minor. It might be actually massive in the comps that people end up running as a result. So I yeah. try to withhold judgment, even if on Facebook it's like, oh, it's just a small change, ends up changing everything. Yeah, it's one of those things where it might be a lot more um, impactful to the pro scene, but less impactful to maybe the, the general casual scene. And that can be tough, right? It can be tough to design or make design changes that that are, you know, not pervasive. You know, in, in terms of changing their game because i think the ones that they have made that just change everything about like in at all levels to tend to be the ones that haven't been good for the the game so i like this change or at least this attempt at it um okay guys well i think that's gonna be it so uh, why don't we wrap up um great show guys any shout outs you want to do ben uh i'll be watching alienware um actually i think apex is apex and alienware is what's going on right now but takeover land coming up in just a week um is it it's yeah next or no it's this weekend isn't it oh, wait hold on is i have it? to double check this well, there's something second. there's something that's a 27 28th hey let me see <laughs> I'll see. I'll see you real quick here. Let me like. Actually, it's June first through fourth, so next weekend. There's something um, this weekend takeover. though. I can't remember what it is though. 
that's going to be a really good one. Uh, Jason Kaplan, Uber, Sideshow, and Bren will be the commentators. You got Cloud9, Hammers, Misfits, NIP, Rogue, uh, Movie Star Riders, and, and uh, a couple more to fill out that uh, that tournament. It's going to be a really good one. And Overwatch is actually finally about to hit its high gear. I've been saying this for a while. I just cannot wait to see what happens now that Blizzard has finally jumped into the fray. So I'll be watching with you guys, uh, OGN, of course, uh, Alienware on Thursday and Mm -hmm. TakeOver in in a week from now. It's going to be awesome. You know, on the TakeOver note, I just want to say pray for Kaiser because he was already tweeting about, like, how do I deal with the jet lag of going from Korea to America? And I was going to be going from California all the way over to Germany. Like, (laughs) oh, my goodness. Kaiser's body will not know where it is or what is going on. So uh, pray for Kaiser. But, yeah, I mean, I second uh, the TakeOver shout out. And, I mean, other than that, uh, not too much. Definitely check out the conclusion of the Overwatch monthly melee this week. And. I guess on a personal level, something, something, follow me, Twitter, at TempoZP. All right, cool. Uh, thank, I just want to thank two of you guys for doing the show today. Um, I am doing a streamer showdown, Overwatch, a special streamer showdown. A big one. On Thursday. <laughs> and yeah, right before. Is this before, your best lineup ever? Uh, I did win in Overwatch with Broden and Crip, but this one is probably bigger. <laughs> just because Jeff is, you know, I think more popular than Ben. And Seagull and Crip probably pretty close but we're doing one on thursday before the monthly melee so right after streamer showdown you know definitely go over to the monthly melee and you know check it out but got a quick promo i wanted to play real quick and then we'll we'll peace out here so anyways check that out guys on thursday pretty hype got dad jeff there and you know seagull and yourself and doa so um it should be a lot of fun and those of you haven't watched it it's a, it's a game show that i do that um in hearts and overwatch right now and uh, it's just supposed to be fun. But uh, for those of you that missed the the beginning of this show, you can check out the VODs at youtube.com slash chainmanv as well as any of our previous ones. Again, you can uh, listen to the show on iTunes as well as uh, Google Podcasts and SoundCloud. I'll post all those things like probably an hour or two after the show so you can catch them there. But that's going to be it, guys, for the overview this week. So for Fish Sticks, ZP, and myself, Chainman V, we'll see you next time. Bye.